If you're a newcomer here and stepping into this gathering was a little unnerving for you, I often say something like this, but I, I do want to commend you for your courage. Uh, way to go. We're honored to have you here and hope that you'll continue to connect and, and grow, maybe, maybe expand your understanding and experience of, of what it means to be a Christ follower. This message today is the third of three in our series, The Church God Wants Us to Be. And our focus today is rethinking evangelism. To understand, to really understand and grasp and, and, and be captivated by God's deep desire for us to be loving representatives of Jesus, both as individuals and as a Christian community. And so as we begin, I want you to open your hearts to God's word. First, words right from Jesus, and then words from the, that, that the historian and physician Luke wrote in the New Testament book called Acts, Romans 5, or sorry, Matthew 5. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He's speaking to his disciples, you and I, if you know Christ. You're, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot, as worthless. You're the light of the world, he says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And then from Acts 2, uh, first this one statement from this historical record of, of what went on in the first century church, uh, n- newly established by Jesus himself, Acts 2, 47, the last part of the verse says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now that there is a phenomenal statement, and that happens in the church today, globally, every day, of course. I believe that that happens in the Edmonton area in the church, the, the church of Jesus, Every day. Many would love for that to be the case in each local church setting, including our own. But but let's let's back up the truck a little bit here. There's some things that are in play in Acts 2 that lay a foundation for this exciting outcome of people being saved daily. And and, And the phrase saved, sometimes a misunderstood and misrepresented uh, word or idea. Being saved simply means that, that because of the love of God, the grace of God shown in Christ, what he did on the cross. We can have our sin forgiven and totally removed so it's no longer the barrier that it is that keeps us from knowing God personally and eternally. Saved. Saved from ourselves. Saved from our sin. Saved from the consequences, eternal consequences of separation from God. Saved. Pretty pretty basic. So, because Jesus took the penalty of sin... Our sin, my sin, your sin upon himself. Any one of us can ask God to forgive us and he will. And immediately, immediately we uh, are transitioned. The Bible says from darkness to light. We immediately begin to walk free in a relationship with our creator that is personal and is as real as any other relationship we know. And has the eternal uh, heaven promised component to it. Again, that's, that's just phenomenal. And so the foundation that I referred to a moment ago is described by some significant realities that the early church lived out. So let's read about it. Acts 2. And they continued steadfastly, the believers, in the apostles, the spiritual church leaders, apostles, they continued steadfastly in their doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, 
One version says that the, uh, including the Lord's Supper, that there was meals, there was community, there was communion over meals. And in prayers, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done. And fear there isn't, no, it might have been the terrifying depending on the person's heart, but a lot of times that means just the, the fear is another word you could replace the, the word awe. Oh, wow. The fear came upon every soul. Uh, many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Wow, the church, favor with all the people. What a testimony. It was cool. And the Lord, here it is, the Lord added to their numbers or, or to daily those who were being saved. We're not going to dissect this passage because that's a, that's a whole other message series. But the passage lays a groundwork, lays a foundation, important groundwork for talking about this word evangelism. May freak some people out, that word, or the experience of it when it's been misrepresented. Uh, again, strikes fear in some people, and probably for good reason sometimes, given the approach of some Christians at times. I, I understand it if for some reason there are negative connotations that come to your, your mind when you hear that word. Please, please try to set those images aside. The word evangelism is simply defined as Declaring the message of Jesus about his offer of forgiveness and his offer of the free gift of salvation and eternal life. That's evangelism. Showing, as we sometimes, showing through our lives. We already read about good deeds that will direct people's attention to God. Good deeds. Showing and sharing. Speaking. The gospel. It's evangelism. The reason I directed your attention to Matthew 5 and Acts 2 was that the two primary avenues, uh, for lack of a better term, of sharing the gospel, the two primary avenues, Matthew 5, powerful, the power of individual testimony of a life well lived. And Acts 2 is the power of public declaration, of speaking, of sharing, of explaining the gospel, along with the power of seeing the love and commitment in the context of the body of Christ together, believers together. Two avenues, sometimes defined by two terms that specifically, specifically, more specifically define these approaches or avenues. And I want to touch on these two words before we look for a few minutes at what is our cultural reality in which we share the gospel of Jesus. So first, incarnational. Incarnational, which means a Christian immersing themselves in culture and becoming Jesus. Becoming Jesus to the people of that culture or that society or your neighborhood or your school. I've heard the phrase that to Christians that for some people that don't know Christ, you may be the only Jesus they see. Wow, that, that should shape. And I think of that for my own life many times. That, that needs to shape how I live my life, how I speak, how I <laughs> express appreciation to the lady at Tim Hortons. Even though she put two sugars and I only asked for one. What, 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 right? Hmm. In, in, in a term that applies living on purpose. 
It's a term that applies. Sorry, living on purpose. And that purpose is to, is to show and share the life of Jesus and the message of his grace to everyone. Again, we, we, we saw as we read Matthew 5, Jesus calls his followers to be salt and light in the world. Salt and light, of course, are metaphors for uh, how he intends his disciples to, to be a positive influence. Uh, and it, it is intended to remind them of the Christ-like loving uh, influence that they can have for God on people when they, when they do represent Jesus well in their, in, in their daily interactions with people. And, and we, yes, gather regularly here. We group up in small groups to, to be strengthened uh, spiritually, to, to live that way every day of the week. Because that's not always easy to do. We need God's help. We need one another's help to effectively live missionally incarnationally, to incarnate the gospel. I, I, I want to add that a, a key factor in being effective at doing this is being filled with the Holy Spirit as Jesus talked to us about, told us, one of some of his last words before he ascended to heaven, Acts 1.8, that we'd have the power to witness about Jesus by the Holy Spirit's enablement. And you've probably heard me say this or you've read this. You know that the Greek word, many of you know this, for the, for the word power there, you will receive power to witness, Jesus said. The Greek word, the original word he used was the word dunamis, from which we get the English dynamite and dynamic. But, but think about dynamite. It's a, it's a powerful thing and can be used, of course, for good purposes. Of course, there's the, <laughs> the destructive nature of it if it's misused. And so there's, again, some parallels when we're talking about sharing our faith. That's for sure. The second term. We have incarnational and then invitational. Invitational. Incarnational speaks to the one-on-one -on -one witness in everyday life. Invitational Simply, of course, is the, the activity of inviting people who don't yet know Christ personally into settings where they will both hear the gospel message explained and, again, where they will be able to observe the powerful testimony of a group of Christ followers being together in love and unity, hopefully. Jesus' prayer in John 17, read it. We reviewed it, looked at it at a council meeting recently. The many times Jesus prays, may they be one. Father, may the followers of mine be one. As you and I, may they be one. He just repeats it. May they, God, may they be one. So that the world will know that you sent me. So vital. It takes prayer, work, and effort, and intentionality, and dependence on God sometimes to live and exist and do life, life together in love and unity. I love what the authors say in the book, Total Church, A Radical Reshaping of Gospel and Community. They say this, Christian community, that's what happens in the body of Christ in the local church. Christian community is a vital part of Christian mission. Mission takes place as people see our love for one another. And a little further down the page in that book, they say, in our experience, people are often attracted to the Christian community before they are attracted to the Christian message. I've seen that. That statement reminds me that, that we better be fully committed, Christian friends, to, the, to loving one another as well as looking for opportunities to invite and include people who, who are not Christ followers. It's, it's like the Matthew party idea as an idea. And you can take this and run with it. The, the invitational idea based on Luke 5, 29, where Matthew, it says, he threw a banquet with Jesus as the guest of honor. 
And it was an intentional, invitational event that Matthew invited his, uh, his, his non-God friends, uh, tax collectors and others, so that they could rub shoulders with Jesus and, and some of his disciple buddies. It was a party with, it was a, a get-together with a, a kingdom purpose. Think about what you, what you could do with this. Go, do it. I love it. And some of you have, bringing your, your, uh, your unchurched friends together with your Christian friends that you trust and, and give them opportunity to interact. I, I love those situations and I've, I've been in them. Invitational could also be inviting to a Sunday gathering like this, of course. Or for those who may not come to a Sunday gathering because it's Sunday for, for some people, maybe, maybe they join you in a smaller setting like the Foundation's Christian course, five-week course, to explore what it means to be a Christ follower. Or another invitational opportunity, the upcoming and new invitational um, Invitational opportunity once a month, Saturday night access. Pastor Jeff mentioned it last week. First one is on October 20th. And I want to add this comment just just to clarify. Access is Saturday night once a month is is not an alternate alternate or a replacement for Sunday gathering for Christ followers who who call this their, their home church. Access is designed for unchurched seekers and is an additional Opportunity for Christians to invite a seeking friend to an environment where the gospel will be clear, but that is a little different than a Sunday morning. Um, And the term young adult driven that you may have heard or or hear about access, uh, it does not mean that it is for young adults. You know what it means? Young adult driven simply means that this monthly invitational opportunity has come out of the heart and the discussion and the prayer of some of our young adult leaders to reach people for Christ. Way to go. Way to go. These opportunities... These invitational opportunities, inviting opportunities, are, are, are founded on a key value for us. Namely, that we do not exist for ourselves. And again, if you've been around Eaglemont Church for any length of time, you've probably heard that. Our church exists and was originally planted. We're talking about the future. makes us think of the past and the fall of 06. The reason, the reason this church started, we, we exist for those who aren't here yet. That's quite New Testament. It's the reason Jesus established his church. We want to be a church that unchurched people would say things like, hmm, I could could connect there. I I think I could connect there. Those people are friendly and inviting. Or things like, "I, I, I could... I think I could discover spiritual truth there. They, they make an effort to explain things in ways that help me understand. And there's room for growth on that front, I think, for myself. Or like someone who hadn't been in church for a long time said to me a few weeks ago after church when we were uh, chatting a little bit and I was asking his input. Uh, we were talking about some of the elements of this Sunday gathering, some of which you've witnessed already. He's probably in his mid 20s, 27, I'm, I'm not sure, something like that. He said, I, I didn't expect that, but in a good way. Cool. But for this invitational avenue to be effective here, we need Christ followers in this church to share this. And, and, and we do. 
And we have, so many of you are, are wired that way, and, and, and yet this is a, a, a point of inspiration for all of us to, to continue to grow in, in this regard, to, to be Christ followers who share this passion for welcoming and embracing people, and, and, and we, need to, uh, we, we, need, we need people in our church to, to have eyes for newcomers. So when you see someone on a Sunday who appears to be new, you're not sure, that's okay, uh, maybe they're trying to find their way around, and they, whatever it is, someone you've never met before even, who looks right at home. I don't think we've met before. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. That's me quite often. But that's okay. You're, 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 you're noticing. The fact that you notice them will be what they remember. We need people with heart like Jesus has. For people that are coming in, leaving their comfort, coming in, stretching themselves to come into to this place on a Sunday morning. Just going up and saying, hey, welcome. Great to have you. Can I help you find preschool for your kids or whatever it might be? So incarnational, invitational approaches. You know what? It's not either or. These two are not in competition with one another. Both are opportunities to see the good news of Jesus shared lovingly. And both require the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to talk for a few minutes about our, our cultural reality. I've been doing some reading in the last while that is uh, uh, concerning and insightful for, for me. The, the, challenge, the challenge of sharing Jesus in this culture is a significant one. <laughs> Many of you who have a heart to reach people, who have a desire to allow the love of Christ to be shown and shared through your own life and in your own relationships at work or at school or university and for some of you in your family, which can often be the most difficult place. But you, you, so many of you have this, this desire to share Christ and to share the message of the good news of Jesus. It's a challenging thing in our, in our culture. And as a side note, I encourage you to go to our church website to June 10th Sunday morning message and listen to some young adult leaders who shared that morning. Some of, the, some of, the, some of that just really ties in with this, this area and this discussion. The approach to sharing the, the gospel doesn't change. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The message, does, the core message does not change. But the approach and often the landing point of discussion is, is, is different than it used to be. I, I would say even, maybe some of you put it in earlier, but 20 years ago, 30 years ago for sure. Maybe, maybe 15, I, I don't know. It's not so important to put a number on that. But Many people used to have a basic understanding of at least... You know, some of the, or, or at least a, an awareness of some of the foundational beliefs. Um, of, of Christian Christianity, there, there was a there was a bit more of a common starting point for discussion. But today, and, and again, many of you know this, with increasing numbers of people, there are very little or or no biblical reference point even uh, reference points. You know, say from from having gone to Sunday school as a kid, I'm I'm meeting more and more people. Never had that experience. Never had that teaching. No reference points to share. No reference point like, uh, points like having at least some degree of openness to the idea that the Bible is a, is a supernatural book. And, and it's, a, it's a book that I, I could maybe find 
truthful answers to questions I have about life and the future. No reference points. Very often, no reference points like that. No reference point like believing that Jesus is God in the flesh and, and come as Savior. I was reading, I forget where, uh, what book it was. It might have been this same book I'm referring to here in a moment, Generation Z, where, where he had, the pastor had somebody ask about the Lord's Supper and what do I need to bring for that supper? I don't want to come unprepared. And, and no fault to them, not in a, you know, saying that in any derogatory way. It's just the reality, so often. Today, seeing people come to the place of embracing the message of Jesus and entrusting their lives to him is typically far more of a, it's always been a process, I think, for, for the most part. But, and yet, evangelism, probably more so, used to be an event-oriented thing where it, it, it is far more of a pro- process today than it used to be. And a big part of that, again, is because so many of the basic biblical truths and, and, and key parts of God's story um, need, to be, need to be thoroughly explained before we can even get to the core message that, that the death and resurrection of Jesus, the historical Jesus, totally took care of the problem of sin that is the barrier between me and, and a holy but loving God. The journey to get to the place of being able to share that. Evangelism uh, used to be many times merely a matter of people uh, connecting the dots on points of basic biblical understanding that they already had. Not so much anymore. And this affects our our one-on-one conversations that we have about faith. And it influences to some degree what we do in this gathering. Creating a, a Sunday gathering with an Unchurched person in mind does not mean that it changes anything about our worship expression or that we don't teach in a way that is solidly biblical. That better not change uh, and, and applicable to Christ followers. That, that's a misconception. It, it just means that we, we try to acknowledge the questions that someone without biblical understanding would ask and try to consistently define terms that may be unfamiliar to some. But but explanations we assume that, that, that you as Christ followers won't mind hearing again and again because you know that that is for the person who is quite possibly in church for the very first time. Thank you for that. A couple examples in the New Testament book of Acts that show two different approaches to the sharing of the gospel. And I probably should clarify that the book of Acts, talking about explaining things, is not this. That's a men's breakfast a couple weeks ago. And it is certainly not this. Acts, I said it already. An historical record of the acts of God through his followers in the first century church. 
Scenario one, Acts two, Peter, disciple of Jesus, is, and we're not going to read it, but you can do so later. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. Come talk to me after. I'll show you where this is. Peter, disciple of Jesus, speaking to a huge crowd of Jewish people who know the story of God through the Old Testament. They have a foundation uh, from which Peter presents the message of Jesus as the Messiah that they've been waiting for for so long. Yes, Peter says he was crucified. Some of you did it. He, he was crucified, and he, but he rose from the dead to bring the gift of eternal life to everyone. Boom. 3,000 people saved. 3,000 people. I need to follow this Jesus, and I'm starting today. 3,000 people. Book of Acts, chapter 2. Scenario 2, Acts 17. Different situation. Paul now is... Uh, in, in this narrative. He's formerly a, a Jewish religious leader turned passionate uh, Christ follower after being a vicious persecutor of Christians, actually. But now a missionary for the gospel of Jesus. And he's in Athens talking to philosophers, spiritual seekers. It's an environment that is, that is really like our current culture. Uh, in other words, there's, there's seldom a common framework for gospel discussions. There's a vague awareness of something that we call spirituality, which can be defined in many different ways. And, and, and in the culture, all the ways, then and now, all those ways are equally valid. Hmm. Oh, well, this spirituality leads the Athenians, the, the people in Athens, to build an altar, Scripture says in this passage, and they designate it as an altar to an unknown God, small g. Well, Paul comes along. I mean, that, that, that culture, that society was pluralistic. Some of you heard the word, the idea that, that the idea that there can be more than one, pluralism, that there can be more than one ultimate reality or truth that, that can exist. Really? I mean, I'm no philosopher, but I know enough to philosophically, that's self-defeating. But, but that's a different discussion. You, you can talk to Wilder about that if you have questions on that. In speaking with these people in Athens who do not have the biblical background like the Acts 2 crowd had, Paul goes right to the creation story and then to lay a foundation for their understanding and hopefully their embracing uh, an acceptance of the gospel. He begins to explain that what they call this unknown God is, the, is actually the creator of everything they see. He's the one that gives you life and gives you breath. He's the one that we will stand before one day and be accountable to. And so today, Mr. Citizen, Mrs. Citizen of Athens, the best thing to do today, the best thing to do is to repent. Ah, there's another interesting word. Just simply means to turn from our sin, to turn away from our old way of living. And to surrender fully to the one who created me. Makes sense. And that was Paul's discussion. Paul, Paul was doing what pastor and author James Emery White says that we need to do in our culture. In the book I already referred to, Meet Generation Z, uh, Z uh, I'm sure he says, Reaching the New Post-Christian World. He says that as Christians, our, our primary cultural currency needs to be explanation. It's good input. Again, most people today, if they're, if they're going to come to understand the message of Jesus, they will, they will need basic explanations because they're, we've said it already, there are no dots for them to connect on their own. In that same book, and I recommend that you read it, 
In that, in that book, Emery White writes about this being illustrated, this truth of our culture, this cultural reality being illustrated in the 2013 movie Gravity about an astronaut played by George Clooney and a medical engineer, Sandra Bullock. They work together to survive after a catastrophe and, and they're adrift in orbit. Emery White writes, I was taken by one scene in particular from this movie, a moment when the character played by Bullock felt that she was going to die. The character, Ryan Stone, speaks and tries to call out, and you'll, you'll see it in a moment. Through her tears, she tries to call out to the emptiness of space about no one ever teaching her how to pray. Watch and listen closely. We're not showing a clip from Frozen. <laughs> this frustration I'm feeling about this right now, let it go, let it go. <laughs> That's too bad because any Sandra Bullock clip is a good clip, so I should not have said that. I just should not have said that. You may have seen the movie. If you haven't, watch it and watch for the time when she's with breath coming out or with, with, with vis, the, you know, how the, the, what's it called? The fog <laughs> when it's cold and she's scared. She's scared. She says, I- I'm going to die. I, I mean, we're all going to die, she says, but, but to know I'm, I'm going to die today. I'm scared. Would, would somebody pray a prayer for me? I, I, I could pray one for myself, but... No one ever taught me how. What a sad commentary. No one ever taught me how. Someone could have, I I, I bet. (laughs) Friends, Christian friends, speaking to you. Let's live. Let's live our lives individually and as a body of believers in a way that, that no one would ever be able to say, nobody, nobody told me. Nobody taught me how to connect with God. Maybe live our lives in such a way that, that nobody ever introduced me to Jesus or attempted to. Or nobody ever talked to me about God's love for me. Or nobody ever told me about heaven and how to, how, how to get there. How I could be sure that I was going there after I die. Let it never be said of anyone we know. That's not a guilt comment because I'm thinking of people I know right now. Who could say that about me? A sad statement for Christ followers to imagine hearing Someone they know say, in the end, say, no one ever told me. Christian friend, that what the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on right now in your life, what is it? What is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to you about this? Who is he bringing to mind? What conversation that you, that you had that you could learn from in terms of sharing 
consistently and effectively the message of Jesus with people in our culture, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are. I want us to just pause right now for a very brief time, 60 seconds or so. I want to pause. I want us to think about this. And I want us to pray. You pray. You talk to God. What is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on right now in your life that needs to be reordered so you will grow in consistently and effectively sharing the message of Jesus with people that you know? If you don't know Christ, if you're not a Christ follower, you can go from this place today having committed your life to Christ by your own expression. And I want to pray a prayer in that regard. It's not about these words, but it's about your heart. God knows your desire. Enough has been said about what it means to become a Christian in this message. And that can happen right now if you'll turn your heart your direct, God's direction. And you can pray quietly. A similar prayer that I'm just going to pray right now. Father, I thank you. Heavenly Father, God of the universe, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth. I thank you for Jesus for coming to step in, in, in my place, to take my, the penalty for my sin that belonged to me. You took it upon yourself so I could live freely, in freedom with you forever. Thank you for that gift. I turn from my old life. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from the way I used to prioritize my life. And I give you everything about my life in this moment. I want to become your child by your grace. Thank you for bringing me right now into your eternal family. verse on the screen that is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not, it's not, a, it's not anything you've done, so you can't boast. In that verse it says, it's a gift. And this morning some of you may have received that gift. And if you have, I, I would love to know about it. Fill out a little communication card and put it in the slot in the back or come and talk to me. Or you can text me. The, the, my number's on the screen in this next slide. Well, maybe it's all, I don't know what's showing. Is that showing? Could be the, the thing is frozen, but um, 780-238-3457. Text me, 238-3457. Text me and let me know that you, I, I, I prayed that prayer, Marlo. I'm a Christ follower now. I'd be, I, I'd be so excited to hear that. And now for those who, uh, for whom Eaglemont is your home church, your church family, I, I want you to watch a video and I want you to think about next Sunday, especially in line with some of the things we've said today about invitational opportunity, or do we have access to video right now? Okay, let's show that uh, invitation uh, movie. Ah, it's two minutes long, it's not a movie. <laughs> 